Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios of Silver Birch Ranch in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. It's also the campus of Nicolay Bible Institute, which is a one-year Bible college program that we host here uh, for um, out, uh, kind of college students or beyond, really. We've had the gamut Up to 30 of, years old, they've come. You know, we've had all maybe. sorts of ages. Yeah. And it's, it's a great way to come and have a good, solid biblical foundation. Uh, we offer classes and credit hours, but then we also provide opportunities to serve. Because, um, like I said, we share the campus of Silver Birch Ranch, and it's an opportunity to learn how to serve within a, in our our context, camping ministry. Absolutely. But it'll set you up for whatever you want to do. We've had people go on to be uh, within ministry contexts, and we've had people go on to be nurses, and you know who knows what else, construction workers, and and everything in between. But it's really an opportunity for you to kind of solidify um, the truths of Scripture and be able to set up a framework where you could live by them. And I'd yeah. say that's a, that's a huge value. Um, and so go ahead and check it out. It's NicolayBibleInstitute.org. Um, or if you head over to SilverTranch.org, there's a link that will take you to MBI as well. Yeah, so. in the world in which we live, I would suggest that a young person coming out of high school or somebody that's already worked maybe a couple of years and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do in life, I would suggest they come and do Nicolay Bible Institute for a year. Yeah. What this does is give them that that understanding, that foundation in life that they so desperately need to understand who God is, how that, why that matters, and then how to serve, how to die to yourself. Those are things that you need to learn, especially in a culture that's become very me-centric. Yeah. You know, me-centric may not even be a word. Mm-hmm. But on younger or older, you've realized we get to make up words. So Submit them to some dictionary for being put in somewhere. <laughs> Maybe me-centric is a word. I it have no idea. It could very well could be. I um, think everybody knows what yeah, you're talking I don't about. Know. But as long as you know, then I communicated just fine. That's right. But you have uh, been known to make up words. I love making up words. I love spelling words the way they're supposed to be spelled, too. You're so hep. Yeah, and uh, I am. Okay. <laughs> I am. For those from my generation, yeah. I learned that that's Dave's generation of saying that he's yeah, hip. Yeah, I'm hep. I'm also bad. Or cool or rad or bad or gnarly or radical or yeah. whatever whatever other terms come from your generation. Yeah, no, I'm sure you're all getting a good picture of who I am. So that that's good. I'm starting to think you're a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I might be. <laughs> you know, never mind. <laughs> We're not we're not even going there. No, we're not. No, we're not. We digress quickly. We do. Unfortunately. Yes. But you know, I I keep thinking as somebody who's older looking at this young group that's coming up and going into the quote workforce, wherever it is, um, you know, I encourage young people all the time. Represent God, do what's well, I don't care where you go, factory floor, owning a business, being a mechanic, whatever it is God puts you in to do. Uh, you're the next missionary to that generation, wherever it might be. Yeah. And and we do a lot here. I mean, we send people to be missionary pilots or missionary pilot mechanics or airplane mechanics and that kind of thing. And we also, you know, are just excited about the fact that people are going into just normal workforce, regardless of where it is, can come and know God and know how to serve. And one of the passages that I think about uh, often is 1 Corinthians 10, starting with the 23rd verse, where, where it's a passage really about uh, whether you should eat meat offered to idols, that kind of thing. And that's not what I'm talking about necessarily. The, the idea, though, is the mind frame that you have, that you're constantly thinking about how you will affect those around you. Yeah. You know, that's all in your decision-making process. So you have the freedom to do certain things, but if it's going to cause somebody else around you to hate God, then maybe you shouldn't do those things. Right. 
you know. So anyway, 23rd verse, let me just read a little to you in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. I'm going to stop right there. Yeah. That that doesn't sound like a um, a suggestion. That's God's will yeah. for us. Let's not seek our own good, but let's seek the good of a neighbor, of somebody we work with, somebody we're with, somebody we see, somebody who's around us. That's a basic principle of life, mm-hmm. that you're constantly looking at how you can meet the need of somebody around you, yeah. whether it be your own kids, your spouse, the people you work with, the, the person at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some uh, I, I've been in the grocery store, you see somebody you know that's elderly trying to get something off the top shelf go over there and give it to them right you know i mean all you've done is for a moment help somebody and you're kind to them and you show god's love in different ways yeah Uh, and i think it goes a long way i I, if you've ever done that before it it often takes people back they're like what you know you're willing to help me yeah you know and it's it's there's something behind it that's bigger than us well and it takes a different mind from you're walking into a grocery store and instead of thinking I need to take care of myself. You're thinking, okay, I need to pick up milk and that kind of thing. I'm also looking for people that I might be able to be a a positive, yeah, part of. Yep. Um, recently, I was at a conference and I was sitting in the line, and these lines were horrendous. and And I ended up going to the the one venue that we were going to go into because the lines got so long. And I really wanted a, a good seat in there with my wife. So I ended up going like an hour and a half early and just sitting and reading. Yeah. And so I'm sitting on a chair. I'm at the front of the line. And, and there were people, you know, looking like, first of all, they thought I was working there because I was sitting there so early. And I was sitting at a chair by the door. So they thought I worked there. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't. <laughs> uh, but that was funny anyway. But then the, the, there was a young couple that was standing not too far from there. And uh, eventually I said, you know... Let me give you the ropes here. Move up. Yeah. You know, and eventually I help show them, here's how you get in line. Here's how you're going to do this. Because they were, how do you do this? I mean, the line gets so long. How do you just come up here, stand right there? And eventually we had this great talk. And, and at the end he goes, well, just thanks for, you know, looking out for us. You know, it's like, well, I, you're just standing there looking lost. Right, right. You know, and it's like no need to be lost. This is no science here. This is just a long line. Yeah. So get up close here to the front and stand. If you're willing to stand here an hour ahead of time, okay, then you're like me, only I've got a chair. <laughs> <laughs> so in the future, you want to go longer than an hour, maybe you need a chair. Yeah. Um, and I just dragged it from somewhere else and brought it over there. So, That's funny. you know, it, what it is, though, is the mind frame of looking around and seeing how can I help those around me. Mm-hmm. And that's the fun part of life. I don't care if you're in a grocery store. You're, you see someone on the side of the road, you know, it needs help. Um, I remember once I went off uh, the road in the winter up here. My wife was, I think, eight or nine months pregnant at the time. And, and there was snow on the road that was unbelievable. And we had a car that was pretty good in it, but I hit a patch of ice and just went off the side, and I had a small car, and we were in, you know, up to the bottom of the car, so you couldn't go anywhere. Hmm. So now I'm sitting in a snowstorm in a ditch, can't get out, with a a pregnant wife, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, God, how do I get out of this one? Yeah. So behind me, there was a semi pulled over, just pulled over, backed up, threw a chain to me, 
put it on the back of his semi and pulled me right out. Just pulled me sideways out of the thing. Wow. You know, took it back. I went for my wallet. He goes, no, thank you. You know, I mean, I just, okay, you were the guy God sent hmm. to help me out of the ditch. Yeah. So I thank God. You know, it's one of those fun moments in life where he could have gone by. This was an ugly day. Who wants to get out of their truck and, and get in a storm and pull some silly guy out of the, that shouldn't have been driving that fast in the first place? Yeah. You know, I mean, but he did. Uh, I remember that in the woods. I was out in the woods once, and I was getting wood to, to keep my, you know, I used to heat my house with wood, and, and I had a load of wood, and I was in a muddy spot, and the the truck I was with buried itself up to its its um, a bed, you know, mm-hmm. so it was yeah. resting. The tires were up. I couldn't get it out. It was loaded with oak. I was totally exhausted, and now I needed to get that out of the forest. Mm. And I remember it was two miles from home about. So I, I, I walked home. I ran home, actually, slowly, not, not very fast. <laughs> I think they and, call that a jog. Yeah, I jogged home. <laughs> and got and I got a truck, one of our trucks, four-wheel drive, and I brought it back out with a chain, hooked it up, and buried it. Mm. So now I have two, two trucks, trucks that I can't move out in the woods. And I'm standing there thinking, oh, yeah. I am exhausted. I can't go. I, I, I don't know if I have it in me to go another two miles to get help anymore. And all of a sudden through the woods, I hear this noise. And I look up, and there's this monster four-wheel drive truck. That, now, if you if you don't live in the North Woods, you don't understand how this happens. But there's guys that build these trucks yep. who enjoy challenges. And they go out in the woods, and when it rains and it's muddy out there, they love going out and showing you what their truck can do. I mean, they can go through... Anything. Anything, yep. And they love showing you. And so all of a sudden I look up and there's one of those guys coming. I mean, the tires on this truck were probably as tall as I was. And, and it was a pickup truck. So he, yeah. had, he had modified this thing to the max. <laughs> and, and, and he pulls up. He goes right around me through the woods and comes back and backs up and just smiles at me. Yeah. Gets out of the truck, throws a chain, pulls the first one right out again. No one even in the truck. He just pulls it out. Yeah. Comes to the next one. Says, you want to sit in that one? I'm sure. So I sat in it, and he just pulled it right out. And again, I came out to, to you know thank him and see if I could pay him something. And he goes, I ought to pay you. And he got <laughs> back in his car, and he took off. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. <laughs> you know, when you think about it, yeah, those people were Christ to me. Yeah. I don't know who they are to this day. I don't know their name. I don't know who they are. I don't know. But in in two moments that were different, but moments where I was saying, oh, I don't have anything left, man. Mm-hmm. I don't have that many options. Yeah. All of a sudden, they showed up and took care of me mm-hmm. and left. And I thought, okay, God, I, I turn to you and say thank you. Yeah. And he goes, well, that's what you should do mm-hmm. because I'm the one who did that. Yeah. And... Some might say, well, were they even believers? Do you know? I don't know, but God can use whoever he wants to use. Right. You know, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and like rivers of waters, he moves it wherever he wishes. And so here it says all things are lawful, and not all things are helpful. I, I'm not one who can do, I may have the liberty in Christ to, you know, not say something to that person or say something to this person or help this person. I I may have the liberty to not do that because I, I'm still a believer and God still loves me. But even though I have the liberty, I, I don't seek my own good. I seek their good. Yeah. And that's hard for all of us because 
we're very much into, especially in the United States of America right now, our own world. Hmm. So let's think for a moment. I work for a, a boss somewhere, an owner. Let's say I work for a company where somebody owns the company. Yeah. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So I, I need to seek the good of the person who hired me. Mm-hmm. That's what I need to do, not yeah. my good. So now I'm a different kind of worker, totally. Mm-hmm. And that may sit against what I'm thinking. And I might, well, I need to work and get as much as I can out of it. Well, I don't know that I read that in the Bible anywhere. Mm-hmm. I do read that we don't seek our own good. Yeah. But I don't read that you only do things because you maximize what you get out of it. And I'm not saying you won't get, you know, I think when you get paid for wherever you work, especially in the United States, you probably are going to get paid more than you need to actually survive. But if you get paid more than you need, then you have an, an excess. Yeah. And uh, obviously then you're going to be standing before God for how you, how you use that excess. And I'm not sure how that is because I don't know why God gave it to you in the first place. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, and I think the more that we can be in that mindset, you know, that the thing I appreciate, you know, even in the stories that you shared, Dave, is that you instantly, it's like, all right, thanks, God. You know, and I think sometimes we're not even in the mindset to think that it is God. You know, I mean, recently my wife and I were supposed to go visit some friends in a different state, you know, and, right. and literally within 24 hours beforehand, it's like we had some car issues. You know, so I look at it, take it for a drive, and it ends up being the radiator, you know. And so as as I was talking to my wife, I'm like, you know what? I think God provided for us. You know, I'm like, yeah, it's a bummer that we can't go, but I'm so glad that we're at home when this happened. Right. You know, rather than being in, you know, because the friends, you know, were several states away that we were going to go visit. And so we could have been anywhere along the way. You know, and if you have a broken radiator, for those of you who don't know what a radiator in the car, it's the thing that keeps your car from getting too hot. Right. Um, and so you don't drive when you have a broken radiator. You just have to stop and get it fixed. Right. And, and, and so it was just like, all right, God, you know, thank you. You know, yes, it's a bummer, but thank you. You provided for us. You know, and I think it's so important that we, that we remind ourselves of the bigger picture here, you know, that it's more than us a lot of the times. And that we just need to to make sure that we are doing it for the right reasons. And even going back to the workforce thing, wherever we're working, you know, do it do it as if you're doing it for the Lord right. and not for man. Right. You know, do it wholeheartedly. Um, and God will God will see that. And I'm not saying that he'll, you know, make you rich and wealthy, you know, he might, but you know, he'll satisfy you in a way that's beyond this world. Absolutely. And and the illustration, I think, in the Bible that we've talked about before on this program, I'm, I'm not sure when, but is, is the foolish rich man. I mean, yeah. you, you look at this guy, and when you look at the issue there, the issue is very simple. Here's a guy that had more than he needed. And if you haven't listened to our programs before, we talked about importance of knowing the difference between need and want in our last program. So you need to go back there and get that Yeah, uh, if you can at silverbirchranch.org, and you're welcome to do that. But the bottom line really is he had more than he needed. So what he did was he tore down his barns and he built bigger ones. Mm-hmm. Now, I find that interesting. Yeah, I have more than I need for me. So I need to build a bigger storage for me. <laughs> okay, instead of asking why do I have more than I need, 
Right. It's all about me. I don't have to ask that. So I just need bigger storage for me. Hmm. Now, now, some people think that's the American dream. And I'm thinking, I don't know. I think we'll be held accountable for the resources that we've been entrusted with. Yeah. And it really, if I'm just looking at it for me, if that's all I'm looking at, then I'm in trouble. Yeah. Because, it's, I mean, God uses this guy and calls him a fool. Because eventually... He looks at all that he has and all that he stored. So he built a bigger barn and he stored all his excess in it. And and as he did that, he basically said, well, I can just now not listen to anybody else. I can be, I can eat, drink, and be merry mm-hmm. now. And and God is going, you fool. Yeah. You have nothing starting tomorrow. Nothing. Yeah. Everything that you have just put in that barn is somebody else's tomorrow who didn't work for it Mm -hmm. because you're gone. Yeah. So the rich guy was actually a fool, not smart, not wise at all. And I think that's a, 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 if you're just entering the workforce or you're somebody that's older in the workforce and you're saying, I just want to put enough for me away. I'm going to actually build another barn. So I, I I have plenty to live on. You don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know that. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, my wife and I have had this discussion as we get older. It's like, do we need, do we need money for ten more years, mm-hmm. twenty more years? Yeah. Do we need money for a nursing home? Do we need money uh, for a psycho ward? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, right? That, I don't know. What God and and each time I can come to God and say, well, God, you know. Yeah. And you'll put in our hearts to do what we should do with our resources so that when the time comes, we'll be provided for one way or the other. And and we're going to either be provided for because you gave it to us now and we managed it the way you wanted us to, or we're going to be provided for by the body of Christ somehow. Yeah. Or you're going to get gold out of a fish mouth or something. Yeah. But we're going to be provided for by you, God. Yeah. Through various means. And maybe you've already provided and we don't know that. So we have to ask you what to do with our access. Mm-hmm. Um, what, one of the things we asked last program is to differentiate them between your need and want. And I still think as a family, you could do that. And then look at how much you have above your need. Yeah. Just look. That's all access. Yeah. And, and realize that that access then God has a purpose for. And I promise you the purpose is not self-centeredism. Mm-hmm. I promise you that the excess is not so that you can ignore God, ignore people, ignore the needy. That's not why he gave you the excess. Yeah. So now the question for your whole family is, why did he give us excess? Yeah. What are we supposed to do with it? Right. I wish I had an answer for that directly. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Um Oftentimes, whether I'm on another board for ministry and this one, and it's like, how much should you have in the bank? And it's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, why are you in charge of anything? You don't know anything. No, because I really don't. Mm-hmm. I, it, I do know this, though, that if you trust what you have in the bank, you're a rich fool. Mm. Yeah. So I don't care how much you have there. It could be that God wants you to have three months of operating expenses in the bank. I No idea. But if you trust those three months, that's where it becomes evil. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's a fine line there. And as you talk about it, it's like, wow, I would ask everyone listening to us, younger or older, it doesn't matter, 
what do you trust? Do you trust the fact that you've been responsible all your life and you have resources? Is that what you trust? What if you lose your mind then? Mm-hmm. You know, I've watched people with Parkinson's and, and other dementia, and it's like, who are they? Yeah. They used to make really sound decisions. They can't anymore. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is making decisions on everything they have. Yeah. That's kind of very interesting when you think about it. So when you look at all that, you, you begin to say, okay, how do I set up my life, God, right now? So that it always reflects the fact that we trust you. And how do you, you have three boys. Yeah. How do you set it up as a family that your boys see that that's the process that you go through? Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you do it is the question. I, I don't expect you to have done it already. They're young boys. But how do you do that where you even have the discussion? Do the, do your boys even know the difference between a need and a want? Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and any parent out there that's listening. Do, oh, right. They, Absolutely. I mean, how do you do it? Right. And and even the question, do we sometimes know the difference between a need and a want? I know that's a silly question to ask ourselves. But in our, a me-centric society, I mean, right. you know, there was a company that just announced new phones yesterday. Really? You know, and I'm sure there's people. Do I need them. one? Oh, I need that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, that's what I just asked. I, I have no idea what phone I have. You know, and, and, and part of it is 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 the selfish desire. You know, I mean, I have a phone that's three years old and I look at that. It's like, oh, that'd be nice. No. You, you know what I'm saying? But I have one that works perfectly fine. Yep. You know, and I get it. It's a struggle. Why? Because that's that's the unfortunate reality that we live in. You know, is is that crisis come and he's conquered. You know, but we're we're in that already, but not yet. And so st- sin is still around, and the temptation is still there. And that's where we need to train ourselves to choose to live for God in the moments. Right. You know, and so sometimes we have to ask ourselves the simple questions because maybe we don't even ask the question to ourselves. I mean, right. it seems like a simple one. Yep. You know, or it's easy when it's other people. You know, even when I think about my boys, it's easy to talk about needs and wants. But then for me and my wife, it's like, all right, what's needs, what's wants? Right. You know, and that's why, you know, the more you get in the habit of of even running everything by God, I think it's a huge thing. You know, and tr- the more you can invite God into your life, I think the more successful you can be absolutely even in the little things you know like all right god we have this money we're thinking of doing this you know absolutely should we do this or not you know should we pour more gravel on the driveway Yep. you know should we buy this tv you know um yes it might take some of the spontaneity out of it and you still might do spontaneous stuff but you know being a mindset and a lifestyle where it's where you're trying to live in a way that honors god I think yeah. is the ultimate. You know, one, one of the weird things is, uh, as I've talked about this with young people, I said, so God doesn't want us to have luxury or abundance. And I said, well, let's, let's understand something. God did want his children to be in the promised land. He wanted them to enjoy what he created. Mm-hmm. He wanted them to enjoy the fruit of the land and the food and, and have provision. God isn't about withholding provision from you. His provision is wonderful. But when you start trusting the provision, when you start trusting your ability, see, you're, you're leaving God out of the picture. Yeah. It'd be like you as a parent or me as a grandparent kind of person, you, you buy somebody a present and they start trusting the present and they ignore you. Mm-hmm. They start enjoying the present and no longer spend time with you. Yeah. 
You know, so if if I bought um, a son or something a, a phone, then all of a sudden I don't see him anymore. They're on the phone all the time. All and I think yeah. I want to take the phone and throw it against a rock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's not that the phone is itself is evil. It's the gift that became something that was bigger than it was meant to be. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's something that we all have to struggle with in our lives. What do we, you know, how how much food, when is it enough food? Right. You know, how much money do we spend on the food? Yeah. And and what is the quality and the, you know, what is it? Yeah. Now, I can't answer that for you. And again, if I'm going to reach people who are in a, if I, you know, very poor setting, then I need to live in the poor setting with them. Mm-hmm. And I need to be relating to them. Uh, I think if I'm a pastor of a church and you're trying to figure out compensation for a pastor, I'd take the average of a, of whatever you have in your church. And and that way, the poorest among them can relate to the pastor, the richest among them can relate because the person's right in the middle. You yeah. know, there, there's some kind of an average there. And I think that's important in life, to be able to relate to the people that you actually minister to yeah. somehow, some way. Um so there are people who are going to, I guess, be in these homes that have tremendous amount of resources. And we all say, well, that I would want to be that person. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the problems are the same. Yeah. The problems will never be different whether you're rich or poor. Mm-hmm. Say, so, oh, yeah, well, they their problem is what, are they, what steak are they going to eat? Okay, if that's what you're considering the difference, you're right. They, they will have to decide on luxury items different than you but i'm not talking i'm talking about the human heart everybody is sinful everybody is separated from god everybody wants solid relationships everybody is in the same boat everybody will age everybody will die those are the things that are the same for everybody right and we need to understand that part and then wherever god places us he places us Mm mm-hmm you know, and, and yeah, I, I fully agree with that, Dave. And, and so that's why it's so important to just look at where God has placed you and say, oh God, how can I, how can I live for you in the context in which you have given me? Uh, you know, cause I, I've even known some people, it's like, well, I got to do this and do this and do this and then I'll be set up. It's like, well, what about now? You know, I'm like, what you just told me is going to take you seven years to get to. Right. And so you're saying you're not going to live for God for the seven years until you think that you're in a comfortable spot to live for God. And I think that's the hard part is, is especially in all cu- our culture, we, ha- we feel like we have to get to a certain point to give us the freedom to live for God. Right. And, and, and I think we have it backwards. You know, I think if we were to just go into the si- current context that we're in and say, oh, God, I'm living for you. I'm buckling up for the ride. Let's see where this thing goes. That, that's the fun part. Exactly. Um, I think sometimes we try to over plan or over, over try to do it ourselves to make ourselves comfortable before it's like, all right, I'm finally set up to live for God. Yeah. You know, you got to live, you got to love God and love people. Those are the only two things that God told us to do. And no matter what your economic status, you can do those two things and do them well. And then you use all your resources the way God intended them. Yeah. And that's for you to seek him and find that out. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the important thing, you know, and, uh, I encourage you as, as we come to a close here in this discussion, I encourage you to, to to just really think about where you're at and ways that you can honor God, whether it's in your workplace and your family. Um, and if, if it's something that's too far out, make it closer. Um, 
and, and it'll change you. So, But for now, that's all the time we have. So this is Jason and Dave on Younger and Older. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.